Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> I mentioned to Dave that um, it was a little more difficult for me today <clears throat> because it's almost four years since I have left here on a regular basis, and that means that I don't know very many of you at all. And so I'm not going to reach back and talk about the good old days very much. I'll try to avoid that. Uh, but it, and I, I don't get that often to ride with Tom Cruise, so I, I can't say anything more about that. Uh, but um, I do get to ride with God's special people all over the world. Uh, and that's the joy of my life and of my heart. And if God would use me in a small way in your lives, to help you stop and think about your futures a little bit more and about how you might be able to make your life really count, really count, that I would like in the, in the limited times that I'll have with you to try to help you expand your vision about that. Get out of the paradigm of the American dream. Get out of that. There's nothing to it. Become a true world Christian. This world is so small now, it's incredible. I go across the oceans like a lot of people go across the street, and that's the truth. I mean, I just, I, I was thinking the other day, I usually go to a mall after about three or four, every three or four trips to Europe, I go to a mall. That's a different world that we live in today. I could care less about going to malls, but I care everything about seizing the opportunities to go and help God's people around the world. That's the new paradigm in missions. There's a new paradigm. There's a whole new viewpoint. And by God's grace, we're on the forefront of this at Send International and the Master's College. And it's simply this. There are churches in most every country in the world today. But usually, they're not fully established in the New Testament sense. And they're not reproducing themselves. And usually, they don't have any way to train their pastors and their leaders. And this new paradigm in world missions is focused on coming alongside the existing churches. And it's my privilege to work primarily in the former communist world. And so I get to go and help people who gave up everything for Christ. That's the best job anybody could have. People who get, they're the dearest people that, that you could ever meet on the planet. They gave up everything. They gave up education. They gave up any kind of economic future. They volunteered for persecution. They gave up everything for Christ. And they deserve to be helped. And by God's grace, we can help them from time to time. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians in chapter 4? Because at the core of what I'm privileged to do is everything that has to do with the body of Christ, I want to speak to you this morning from a little short passage here in chapter 4. First, the Apostle Paul in verse 1 of chapter 4 is referring back to the first three chapters of Ephesians where he's told us the great riches that we have in Christ. And then he says in chapter 4, Therefore, kind of like, what are you going to do about it? You know, consider what you have in Christ. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then what I want to focus on are the next short little four verses. Then he kind of goes back, in a reference back 
to the first three chapters, and he summarizes it all. The wonder of the body of Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. If you have never been overseas, if you have never had opportunity to have fellowship with people of other cultures, other nations, other languages who love Christ, who are just as much a part of the body of Christ as we are here this morning, if you have never had that, you have, you have a great, great experience in store in the future. Since I spend most of my time with Christians in other countries, I've had the privilege now, of, I just counted them up this morning, I had the privilege of ministering alongside other believers in more than 30 countries on six continents. And every time is richer than the last one, but I kind of go back and I remember the first couple of times. I remember first being in 1985, it was just before Dr. MacArthur called me to come here. I was in China, in fact, when he called. And I was humbled that he would call and never expected what would happen. I was, I was over there with Send International. I'd been on their board for about five years. And I was there. They'd asked me to go to Hong Kong to help do a survey, to help the mission decide whether they should start a work in Hong Kong. And, and Hong Kong, as you know, will fall under the Chinese Communists in 1997. I had been pushing as a board member, Send International, to begin a work in Hong Kong, and finally the general director said, stop pushing us, will you go over and help us and take a look? And so that's why I was over there. And I'd wanted to go into China because I wanted to experience what Hong Kong would be like starting in 1997 when the communists took over. Never in history before has the church had an opportunity where God had just said, okay, here's X number of years you have. At that point, it was 11 or 12 years that we had to reach Hong Kong before the communists would take over. And then I wanted to go to Korea because Korea has the greatest churches in the world, and I wanted to see by going to Korea what it could be like in Hong Kong if God would let us open the door, he would open the door for us in Hong Kong and raise up a great church. And so that's why I was over there. But I, I remember being in Hong Kong, and I, I had lunch with someone. Someone had said, you've got to meet so-and-so. And so I met so-and-so. And this is kind of the story of my life. And so I had lunch with so-and-so. And at lunch with so-and-so, it was a, a guy from Australia. And the guy from Australia says, you've got to meet so-and-so from New Zealand. So I have dinner that night, and, and I'm with a party of guys from Center International, but I sensed there was something important here. And so I sort of begged away from them and started in this, in this route that God seemed to, be, seemed to be leading. And so that evening, with, with the guy from New Zealand, I was invited for the next two days to go to a retreat, a secret retreat, highly secret retreat. It was going to be held in a Catholic monastery of all places at a little island further out in the ocean from Hong Kong. And so the next day I went to this retreat. And I'll never forget it. It was at a time when it was very dangerous for a Westerner who was a Christian to be in China. It was the time when the tent makers who had begun to go in had to be very, very careful or they would lose their lives in China. 
And so these folks who had invited me, none of which were Americans, and God had just led this way, had organized a retreat to sneak out of China all the tent makers who were working alone in the various cities of China who were getting beat up and who were in, in great danger all the time. No other Christians could they have fellowship. It was really, really, because they had to be real careful to not be seen with the believers or they would compromise the believers, and it was just very difficult for them. And so these people had the foresight and the compassion to try to bring out all these Christians who were tent makers from all over the world in China, about 150 of them. And I'll never forget the way they sang. I mean, there I don't know how many countries were represented, probably 30 or 40, only a few North Americans. I remember how they sang. They were so starved for fellowship and so thrilled to be together. And I remember their prayers. I remember them praying, asking God to make them be willing to die for the people of China when they will go back in a couple of days. That experience never has left my memory. The body of Christ in action, sneaking in to a communist country under great danger. A couple of years later, I had privilege to go back to China. And I went to a place called Shaman University. I had heard that at Shaman University, there were a group of students from all over the world that somebody had sneaked together and arranged a contract with Shaman University to bring these quietly, bring in Christian students from all over the world. And as I recall, there were about 20 there at that time, only one or two Americans. They were from everywhere. And I had heard how this small body of foreign students was turning this Chinese university of 8,000 people upside down for Christ. It was incredible. And they were complying with all the rules. They couldn't invite a Chinese person to church. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't, all the rules that they had by the communists, they abided by those rules. And guess what? God honored their obedience to the authority that he had put over them. And they were witnessing then by the character of their lives. And they were drawing everybody to them. They weren't allowed to witness. They weren't allowed to preach. But you know what they were allowed to do? There's never been an oppressive government in the world that passed a law that says you can't answer a question. They were living in such a way on that campus that everybody wanted to know what made them different. And lots of people were getting saved and faculty people were getting saved and nobody was violating the law. All they did was live in such a way that their character was so much on display and so different in the midst of that atheistic environment that everybody wanted to get acquainted with them. It was phenomenal. The body of Christ in action. Later in 1987, I had the opportunity to take Dr. John Stead down to South America. I heard that, I heard that God's people, God's leaders, pastors from all over South and Latin America, all over South and Central America, therefore Latin America, were going to come together in Sao Paulo, Brazil, for the purpose of together, about 3,000 of them gathering for a conference a week long, for the purpose of challenging themselves to stop being a mission field and start becoming a mission force and start sending missionaries from the South American and Central American countries all over the world. And I know that Dr. Stead would tell you what a joy it was to be there. And to behold, the body of Christ gathered nothing to do with North America. They didn't need us. They didn't need us. They're just as much and worthy in the body of Christ and just as important as we are. Sometimes we think otherwise, but it isn't true. There was something real interesting that happened while we were there. 
This was sort of another brush with fame that I had. I met a man named Pastor Bangara from Argentina. And he told me about his son named Ezekiel. You ever met him? Isn't that incredible? told me about how his son could play soccer. I don't know where you are here today, Ezekiel, but I'm glad I met your father. And I can't wait to see you play this year. I hope I can do that this week. The body of Christ, active all over the world. One body, one spirit. The Holy Spirit of God transcends all human barriers. Think about it. Even time. Even time. We can meet all, we can meet Christians of our generations, but we have to wait for a few years, don't we, to meet the ones who, who lived a couple of thousand years ago or five hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. But we're going to meet them. We'll be with them. One body all together. We'll be having fellowship with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? With Timothy. With Titus. You can bet on it. That's a fact, just like you're sitting here this morning. One spirit, time, language. It breaks through language in an incredible way. Culture. There's no culture barrier to the Holy Spirit. Ethnic, socioeconomic, doesn't matter where you are, whether you live in a mansion or whether you live on the edge of town in a hovel. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you have the same status. One spirit. Transcends political barriers, education barriers, and all other barriers instantly disappear with the Holy Spirit, one spirit. I remember when I first went to the former Soviet Union, 1989, fall of 89. I went over alone, went over on an exploration trip. It hadn't opened up yet, but Send International had asked me to go kind of a survey trip like Hong Kong. I was still here on staff. Dr. MacArthur said that I could go. When I arrived in Kiev, it was real interesting. It was a day before, it was Thanksgiving Day when I arrived there. Thanksgiving Day here, not Thanksgiving Day there. That's just America, you know. And we landed on Thanksgiving Day at Kiev Airport with a blizzard underway. I mean, big bulldozers frantically trying to keep the runways open and deep snow, and it was... It was nighttime and we were landing in this snow. And I remember I'd heard that people were interested in the things of God. So as I was getting off the airplane, I gave a testament. I offered a testament, a New Testament, to the stewardess. And she grabbed it and she held it to her chest and said, Spasiba, spasiba, with a big smile. When I, would, I thought, I'm going to like this. And so when I went past the cockpit, one of the pilots was standing there. I gave one to him. He did the same thing. I thought, wow, this is going to be fantastic. So I go in. I wait for my luggage to come. Everybody got their luggage and everybody left. My luggage didn't come. And I remember standing there thinking, now, I need to be thankful for all things. Now, Lord, help me understand some thankfulness about this. And the thought occurred to me, it'll be a lot easier to go through customs with no suitcases. No? But then I remembered I had this very heavy carry-on. I had, now I was down to 48 Bibles and Testaments in my carry-on. That's all I had. That's all that's important. And so I started through customs, and young man there said, 
put it up there. I put it up. He said, what do you have in there? I said, well, I have just, just the Bible and the New Testament. And he said, how in the world could you read so many Bibles and New Testaments? Don't, what are you going to do with them? I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I heard things have changed here now. Aren't you starting to have some freedom? And he said, no law has changed. And he took the next hour inventorying. Took every one I had out, wrote down how many pages, all the different versions, where, where it was published. He wrote this big report. And when he was finished writing, I don't know why he didn't let me go, because when he was finished writing, he kept them all. I mean, he could have done it that night, you know. And so there I am, walking out of the Kiev airport, being greeted by wonderful Christians who I'd never met before. And they think this affluent American is going to be coming, carrying all kinds of suitcases and everything. I don't have anything but the clothes on my back. And they, they run to me and they embrace me. They had never seen me before and they're hugging me. And for the next week, these people who have nothing of this world's goods took care of me. Probably better than I would take care of people coming to my home. I mean, I learned about hospitality. I learned about the body of Christ things I had never experienced before. And out of their poverty, they were out every, every day going from store to store trying to find some clothes to buy for me. There was no clothes to buy, you know, nothing to buy. Finally, after about a week, we were able to find one brown dress shirt in my size. And uh, that with a charcoal, charcoal gray suit that I'd had on now for nine or ten days in a row. I, I didn't look real well. Anyway, that they had their arms around me in a way I'd never experienced before, you know, and I could barely speak the language. I'd studied it 25 years ago, but, and now it's come back, but then I couldn't speak the language. All they cared was that I was a brother in the Lord, and if I'm a brother in the Lord, they're going to take care of me in every way. And then probably a year later, I started going into, no, just a few months later, I started going into the Central European countries. And I remember going to a place called Brno, Czechoslovakia. I didn't know anybody there, but I had an address for a church. There was a big snowstorm that afternoon. I'd ridden a bus there from Prague. It was a Sunday. And I guessed that there'd be church at 6 o'clock, and I had an address. But the street signs were missing. And so the address doesn't do a whole lot of good if the street signs are missing, you know. And so I decided I was in the right neighborhood, and I decided, well, I'll just kind of hang around here until I see some people who look like they might be going to church. And so finally I saw a couple of older women who looked like they were dressed for church. And I didn't know any words in the Czech language. And so I thought, well, let's see. There's one word that nobody ever translates because it's a name, and that's the word Baptist, and this is supposed to be a Baptist church. So I just walked up to these two ladies, and I said, Baptist! And they hugged me. <laughs> and they took me to church. And we walk in the church. Walk in the front door. Now, nobody in the world, I, I'm in a city called Brno that nobody ever heard of in this country. Nobody there ever heard of me. Nobody knows I'm coming. I walk in the front door of this church just before the service. And about 20 feet away, a man in English said, Are you from Grace Community Church? I said, Whoa! And I backed up, you know. I just, Wow! How, I said, How could you know that? 
And he said, well, that's the only church I ever heard of in America. So I thought maybe you were from Grace Community Church. Isn't that great? And then they wanted me to preach. And I didn't want to preach because I was barging in on the service. But I'd gone there, I forgot to tell you, because I was trying to find the president of the Baptist for all of Czechoslovakia. Somebody told me that I might find him in that city. And so I asked him, he said, no, he's out some other city. And so I gave a brief word of testimony. They went in, they were already worried about the cults coming in, and so they were having a, their own little cult seminar. I couldn't understand anything that was going on. I just sat down and tried to look pleasant, you know. And about halfway through the service, the door, side door opened, and this distinguished white-haired gentleman sort of slipped in and sat down next to me. Stuck his hand out, introduced himself. He was Dr. Pavel Peter, the guy I was looking for. You know? That's the kind of experience I have all the time. Psalm 86, token for good. All of that in the body of Christ as we try to work together and try to help them. But one of the most encouraging things that ever happened to me that way was in Bucharest, Romania. Again, one spirit, okay? one body, all of us together. It was right after the revolution. Right, Remember Ceausescu? Remember that? Remember how he was killing everybody in his own country and he got his own medicine finally? Well, I was there and I was alone and I befriended a guy on a train. And, uh, he was a, um, oh, what do you call it, a veterinarian. And he had taught himself English. And so the Lord just put him in my life to get me around Bucharest because I didn't know any believers there yet. And he said, there's a big demonstration going on over in one of the big central squares. He said, the, the Army and Air Force officers are demonstrating against the new government because they've just made a former communist a secretary of defense and they don't want it. So he said, do you want to go over there? I said, sure. So we go over. Now, under Ceausescu, it was just about six weeks before that, under Ceausescu, if a Romanian citizen were seen even talking to a foreigner, they went right to prison. Weren't allowed to talk to a foreigner. So this young man said to me, would you like to interview some of these officers who are demonstrating here? Then there must have been 10,000 people in this square. But I was very obvious. They hadn't seen foreigners before. And so I started interviewing a couple of these officers. They were very cordial and very eager to talk. And, and finally, this, this crowd started coming around me started coming around me because I was unique as a foreigner. They could tell I looked different. I was speaking English. And Who is this guy? What's going on here? So this crowd's squeezing in. And I'm, I remember thinking, boy, the Lord gives me a crowd like this. I better try to say something spiritual. So I said to this young translator, who's not a believer, you know, I said, I want to try to speak to this crowd. Will you raise your voice with me? And he said, sure. And so at the top of my lungs, you know, I say this. I say, we in America are thankful to God with you for the wonderful new freedom that he has given to you. But I'm constrained to tell you that the ultimate answer to all your problems is not going to be found in democracy, not even in democracy, but can only be found in faith in Jesus Christ. And a man deep in the crowd, way back there, yelled out at the top of his lungs, Mr., what you said is true. And then the body of Christ started to appear all across that audience. And somebody over here said, said, why have you come to our country? And I said, I've come to see if there are ways we could help your churches. And then somebody over here said, can you get us Bibles? Somebody back here said, yes, please, Bibles. Can you get us Bibles? We need the Word of God. 
and six or seven people in rapid succession as the body of Christ popped up at that demonstration were asking for Bible. The body of Christ is everywhere. He goes on, he says, he says, just as also you were called, you were called, you couldn't just apply for membership in the body of Christ. Sometimes study it thoroughly, will you? You can't even buy a membership in the body of Christ with a billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars. You have to be personally invited into the body of Christ by God himself. It's the only way you can join the body of Christ. And Christ himself paid for your membership. He paid for it with his life. I know you know this, but let it have a greater impact on your life. Chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. I don't have time to go through it verse by verse, so I'm just going to mention a few things. He gives the details. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We, you and me, were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. And, and those people in China and those people in Argentina and those people in Ecuador and those people in Romania, everywhere, chosen, same way. In love, we were predestined by God to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Given redemption through the blood of Christ. Given forgiveness of sins. Given an inheritance. Given an opportunity to hear the gospel. And much of this world's population at this moment have still not been given an opportunity to hear the gospel, not even once. Do you know that there are thousands and thousands of cities, towns and villages in the former communist countries that don't have one church? There is no gospel witness where a typical major city in America have thousands of churches in that same city. Do you know that? If you're thinking about going into ministry full time, please don't think too much about America. We already have too many churches, but we don't have enough good ones. But think about, think about a nation where there are whole cities where you could go and help them start the first church in a city maybe of 100,000. I know of cities in Russia that have a half a million or even a million people and still not one church. Can you imagine? And people are groping for God. And people who aren't even believers yet are, are praying that God will send somebody to tell them the truth. And you and I have been given faith to believe. We don't believe on our own merit. God gave us the faith to believe. And we've been sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Not only have we been personally invited by God into the body of Christ, we can't even get out of it if we had want to. Membership isn't only for people like us. Being American has nothing to do with being a Christian. Sometimes we put those things together. It has nothing... In fact, it's becoming harder and harder for Americans to become Christians than people in other countries. People from every tribe and every tongue and every people and nation are called as we are into the body of Christ. And then he says we have one hope of our calling. All members of the body of Christ are unified in the one hope of their calling. What is it? Simply to be holy and blameless before Christ. That's the hope of our calling. That's the purpose of our membership in the body of Christ. To be holy is to be set apart from sin. To be blameless is to live in obedience to His commands. The final command which Jesus gave was what? 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. God has given opportunities for the Master's College in Albania that the Master's College has phenomenally accepted. Albania is the country that was most anti-God in all of history. Their constitution said that you had to be an atheist to be a citizen. But by God's grace, we began to be invited in there a few years ago, even before it opened up and before the communists were overthrown. And some of you who are new this year don't know that a faculty team from the Master's College went to Albania about a year and a half ago and had a phenomenal impact in the Ministry of Education. Some of you aren't aware that this past spring, right after school was out, quite a large number of your faculty gave up three weeks of their time and we brought over a textbook writing team from, from the Ministry of Education and from the Pedagogical Institute in Tirana, Albania. And your faculty members, headed by Dr. Stead and Dr. Hughes, spent three weeks of their time helping these people from the Ministry of Education in Albania write the new civics books for all the high schools and all the junior highs in Albania. This, this college is playing a major role in world history. Now, these people who come over here, none of them are Christians yet. They all left very, very close. I mean, they had their lives radically impacted here. And many people in the Master's College family invited them over to dinner. Every night they were at somebody different's house. And they had never seen believers before. You see, in Albania, because there were no known believers at the end of the communist era, they'd never seen a changed life before. They've never seen a new creature in Christ. They've never seen the fruit of the Spirit. Can you imagine a whole nation never seen the fruit of the Spirit? And so we've determined at Send International that the way to plant churches in Albania is, is, is through an impact team that impacts several key aspects of their culture. For example, we're praying for seven church planting teams in Albania. And the, each church planting team will, will consist of a missionary educator will be a consultant to the schools in that region. A missionary farmer who, who will help the new farmers as they broke up their collective farms. We sent 67 farmers from Canada and the United States over for several weeks last spring. We're getting ready to do it again. They move right in with the Albanian farmers and they help them learn about farming techniques, but they share the gospel with every single one. And that missionary planting, church planting team will consist not only of a missionary educator and a missionary farmer, but a missionary sportsman. You see, the communists did all the sports programs. They don't have anybody to help them with sports. They need consultants for regions to help. A missionary sportsman. Okay? A missionary businessman. And the leader to help them get small businesses going. And the leader of each church planting team will be a pastor-teacher type. And will endeavor to plant churches that, that will impact the, the nation of Albania in that way. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that from this very school, Randy Kirschmeyer and Dan Kelly of the Master's Seminary went over to Albania for six weeks this last summer and they installed the first new computers in the Ministry of Education in, the, in their textbook publishing house and in their National Pedagogical Institute so they could get up to date and start moving ahead in education. And these young men did a fantastic job setting up all those computers, training them how to run the computers, etc., and then some of you know our son Rob, who was, was here until was here this last year. On October 5th, Rob and his wife Pamela leave, Lord willing, on an airplane for Tirana, Albania, where he will coordinate our ministries in Albania and begin working with the, leading the first church planting team. 
But we need lots of people for Albania. We need lots of people for all these former communist countries. One Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's no salvation in anyone else. No other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. Then there's one faith. One faith. What's that mean? That's really, really important. The Apostle Paul is referring to the body of doctrine revealed in the Bible. Jude calls it the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In true Christianity, there's only one faith. And our one faith is the content of the revealed Word of God. We are to contend for it, to fight for it. Well-meaning brothers who aren't careful in their Bible study and aren't careful with their theology are causing major problems in the former communist countries. Remember, they couldn't have seminaries. They couldn't have Bible schools. They couldn't do any of that. And so the false teachers are coming in and beating up the church. It's awful. We've got to do everything that we possibly can to help those who gave everything for Christ protect their precious doctrine from the false teachers. We're translating books. John MacArthur's commentaries on 1 Corinthians and Ephesians have just been translated and published. We'll be distributing them in about two weeks at a big pastor's conference in Moscow and at a big pastor's conference in, in Kiev for the Ukraine when Dr. MacArthur comes with us. Dr. Mayu's book on interpreting the Bible for yourself is being translated into many languages to help these young pastors do a better job of studying the Word of God. The Fundamentals of the Faith book from Grace Community Church has just been translated both into Ukrainian and into Russian. And the goal of the church in the Ukraine is that every church in the Ukraine will use it to follow up new believers. We're trying to raise money for 100,000 copies right now. In about two weeks, a new seminary will start in Kiev. I believe that it's the single most important seminary in all the former communist world because... Kiev, the center of the Ukraine, is the center of conservative Christianity historically in the former Soviet Union. And motivating that seminary into existence are two graduates of the Master's Seminary, Greg White and Bruce Alvord. Both will be the key teachers, 30 full-time students starting in about two weeks. Dr. MacArthur will be there to kick it off and speak at the dedication of the seminary. 180 part-time students. And then today, this very day, our SEND missionaries coming in from Alaska are helping start the first Bible school in far eastern Russia in a city called Habarsk. And all across the former communist countries, we are working to develop church-based regional leadership training centers. Churches in America are stepping up in order to support those. But we're beginning to focus more on media because the time is short. We're convinced that the time is really urgent. This great door that was open to the former communist countries is already beginning to close. I wish I had time to tell you how it's beginning to close. And we're beginning to, to pray for wisdom and say, God, what can we do? And he seems to be leading us towards more involvement with media. And we've begun to meet with the major media ministries. We've begun to talk with them about how we could be a bridge, how we could serve bringing together the major media ministries that are being, being aired into the former communist countries and connect them with the national churches.
so that the media ministries then would be working closely with the national churches, helping them do evangelism, helping them do discipleship. And even we're dreaming of something we're starting to call the seminary of the air because we think we're going to get kicked out of these countries. What does God want you to do with your life? Could it involve the body of Christ in another country? Do you think there's a possibility that he might have brought you to the master's college so you could learn about how you might come alongside believers in another country and help them reach their country? What an incredible thing to be able to do. You're being grounded here in the word. You've got, in my mind, this is the finest Christian college in the world. And I know it pretty intimately. And I'm so thankful that all of my children got to come here to college. And I'm thankful that you're all here, but to whom much is given, much is required. And it's my prayer that every one of you will leave this place when it's time, when you've finished, when you've done it well, with a purpose in your heart to make your life count for the glory of God, wherever he might call you, anywhere in the world. How many of you would be open to that? How many of you would be open to going anywhere in the world? Don't put up your hand unless you mean it. That's tremendous. That's fantastic. Let's stand and pray. By the way, uh, just before we pray, I, I, had, I had one other brush with fame. Um, I was there when Paul Martin was preaching in Russia last summer. He did a great job. Our God and Father... Thank you for sending Paul Martin and Chris McKnight and thank you for sending Susan. Thank you for the encouragement they were even to those in northern Russia, Kirovichipetsk, parts of Ukraine, Belarus, where you used them to come alongside and encourage and lift the burden of your precious ones there. Lord, thank you for bringing all these young men and women to the Master's College. Thank you for raising up a faculty that is second to none. Lord, I pray that you would continue to declare your power in our midst here and help these young men and women with their focus. Help them get released from the shackles of our culture, our North American culture, of, of focus on stuff that doesn't matter and help them be released for a focus on the study and preparation of your of your word for applications around the world in the days ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.